Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, have you ever thought about leadership, leadership of others, leadership of individuals, organizations, maybe even your family, if you're a parent? Have you ever thought about, could I get my kids to do what I want them to do? Well, today's show, I'd like to share with you a model that we put together years ago with my colleague Gordon Cameron in What we did was look at a framework which we called expectation management. So I'm going to take today's show. We're going to go through it. And it's a process and a system to be able to lead others better, uh, not only for their benefit, but for ourselves. You know, the research around leadership is pretty clear, 75% percent of people or 70% of people believe that their leader is incompetent. 87% of people are disengaged at work. We have all, you know, 80% of people, you know, are not interested or um, as far as irritated with their responsibilities. So we have all kinds of opportunities to improve. So my question for you is that if you could get others to do what you've asked them to do and expect them to do, consistently, would that be important to you? And if it was in your family, if it was in an organization, in a business, a volunteer group, would that be important to you? So that's what today's show is about. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to do a short sort of framework of our model called expectation management. And as a bonus for this show, we'll make sure that somewhere on the site somehow uh, you'll be able to get a link to be able to download the two-page model so that you can reference this uh, for the future and then maybe use this podcast to be able to be clear about the content. You know, one of the things that happens, and this happens in personal relationships all the time, when we get upset with others, when we get disappointed in others, it usually has to do with people not meeting our expectations. And so when we think about the expectation management model, the first component is the clarifying expectations. Is what I want you to do and is what you understand what I want you to do in agreement? In a lot of cases, this doesn't happen. You can't have (laughs) accountability until you have expectation. Example, let's say you have a teenager and the teenager goes out and in your head goes out for the evening and in your head says, well, listen, they have to be back at midnight, but you don't say anything to them. They come back at 1230 and said, Ken, you are grounded for the next week because you came back late. And you said, yeah, but mom, but dad, you never said anything to me. He said, you know, but that was my expectations. But I can't hold that teenager accountable to be there at midnight when they didn't even know they were supposed to be back at midnight. Now, it's different than if I communicate to them and say, listen, Ken, do you know that if you are not, you know, or my expectation with you is that you would be home by uh, midnight, and if you're not, you're going to be grounded for a week or whatever the amount of time that you want to use as a, a consequence or accountability to the event. 
And so part of what happens in work environments, professional environments, personal environments, is that we have a gap between expectations. So before I can have accountability, which is the third step in our model, I need to clarify expectations. Now I'm going to take a moment and, and identify four or five things. Now this can apply personally, but it's uh, also for sure applies professionally in any kind of organization that you are running. So first of all, you know, what is the employee or the staff member's responsibilities? What is it that you are responsible for? Have I crafted that? Have I documented that? Have I looked at that? The next one that we put out there is what are the tasks and activities that you need to be doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis that uh, would be acceptable or part of the expectation grid that we have for you. And number three, <clears throat> how do I want you to do it? Now, it could be, <laughs> you know, you think about it, let's say I'm in customer service and I do exactly what you've asked me to do. I do the reports, I respond to customers, and I say to the customer, I said, what do you want versus how can I help you? That is a behavioral expectation. So not only do we need to understand what you are to do, but we're also to understand how you are to do it. So where does that fit into your framework? And so a lot of times, we don't take the time to document these things to get clear about the expectations in what uh, would be a satisfactory, a um, acceptable performance from that individual beforehand. The next one is uh, that we have on this expectation is what's the level of authority that I have. You know, isn't it interesting lots of times if you've, you've probably had this happen in the last month where you've called somebody in customer service and they say, well, I don't have the authority to make that decision. What do you mean you don't have the authority? You're the customer service person. Yeah, well, that's like a manager's job. And then the manager says, well, that's not our policy and I don't have the authority to make a decision. Now, many organizations or businesses who have been the most successful, they empower employees to make decisions on the spot within a certain policy or certain structure. If they say they can't make a decision, then they don't have the authority. So what's the authority that I have? Can I make this kind of level dollar decision without checking with the boss, the supervisor, with you, the owner? The next one that we said, well, what are the results that I expect from you doing all of this. So, you know, if you are in a sales position, the results are you are to have XYZ sales. So, you know, I have the responsibilities of demonstrating to the customer and then I want to be able to do it in a friendly, professional manner. But the results is you need to sell $100,000 a month if you want to keep your job. That is part of the terms of engagement there. So I know what are the results that you uh, want from that individual. Let's say I have somebody in marketing, and so I'd say the expectation is, is that you're growing the list by a 1,000 people per month or per year, and you're generating this amount of leads uh, because of the activities that you are doing. So all of a sudden, I'm now identifying the results that I'm going to get, as well as quality control comes into this. So we have a print shop. So that print shop would be the results is that you were going to do it right the first time and that you're going to double check and we're going to make sure that uh, the results, the quality that you deliver is to the standards that the clients need and want. And then finally, one of the things, as I mentioned with the story over the 
teenager. The next item is around consequences. So is do I know in advance that if I don't do any of these things, what are the consequences going to be for my position? So think about uh, three little dots, one by, or words beside each other. And so the first one is expectation. The next one is what we call work uh, readiness or support. And I'll, I'll talk about that here in a moment. Then accountability. And then we loop on the top and we loop on the bottom two different items. One is feedback. The other one is rewards and recognition. And I'll go to each one of these as part of our show today. So when we think about success in life, and wouldn't that be neat for you if you were clear in your job, your role, but also, you know, even personal relationships or interaction with family members, you know, what are the responsibilities, what are the activities, what are the behaviors expected, authority, results, and then finally, consequences. And a lot of times organizations, it, they just are so busy being and doing that they don't clarify these things. And the other one is, is until people agree to these expectations. Not know about them. I mean agree about them. You can't hold them accountable. So an example is, let's say you have a policy of, Ken, do you know that our policy is to be on time at 8.30? And I say, yes, I do. Do you believe that I have agreed to that policy? No. The reality is I'm not. I simply have acknowledged the presence of the policy. I have not agreed to do it. So it's a big uh, it's very, very important, you know, as part of our language to understand syntax. And if an individual says, yeah, yeah I understand that it's supposed to be here on time at 830, but Ken, do you agree to do it, is a whole different level of accountability. So you need agreement. You need understanding. And that expectation are, there's really two sides of it. There's one that is um, expecting certain behaviors, performance results, and then the other one is the expected one where they say, this is what I believe I'm supposed to deliver as part of my role or responsibilities here, both from a family point of view and from a professional point of view. So that component is expectations. So if you were just kind of envision as you're listening to this podcast, and again, you can download this um, uh, model, this expectation management somewhere through the email that's uh, gone out, is that you would look at, to the right-hand side, a component, what we call work readiness. Now, here's what we mean by work readiness. Work readiness has three different components from it. And one of them is ability. So I have a certain expectation for, and I've talked about readiness and willingness, which is the last chapter in my book of in uh, Why Aren't You More Like Me? And it's a very, very critical and important piece. It's also a chapter in our book, Transforming Leadership. When we say readiness, we're talking about a person's ability to be able to fulfill the role and responsibilities that you've asked me to do. So one of the questions we ask is, is there any evidence that Ken can do, that you can do, what we've asked you to do? So example, let's say uh, things are, um, you've got a little growth on your knee. In this growth on your knee, you because you don't have health insurance in the U.S., or if you're in Canada and you've got to wait for six or eight months or in another country, whatever the case is, it's going to be several months before it's going to be attended to by the healthcare system that you subscribe to or are a part of. And as a result of that, you have this inconvenience, this, this, uh, this growth in your knee that is uh, 
benign, but you are going to uh, have to struggle with this for this time. But I say to you, you know what, I've always been interested in medicine. You know, I've never been to medical school, but I've really been keen. I've been reading a lot. I've never been to training, but, you know, I think my hand is pretty steady. Why don't you come over to my uh, house on Saturday? In my garage, I have some Black & Decker tools, and then we'll get that tumor out of your knee. You know, what's your confidence going to be in my ability to do it? Probably like none, right? So I am not ready or I don't have the ability, I don't have the skills to fulfill what the expectations are, which is the successful removal of this growth on your knee. So when we think about success, when you think about success for yourself and for others, there was a study done by ASTD, American Society for Training Development, now called ATD, the American uh, Talent uh, Society or Development, is they said that one of the top three frustrations for employees was responsibilities or expectations without the required training to fulfill them. So you have a brand new computer software program that's being implemented in the company, but you've given no training. You have a brand new phone system, but you haven't been given the training to be able to use it. You are now a supervisor. You weren't a supervisor before, but now you're leading others, but you didn't have any supervisory training that was part of that uh, core uh, offering or responsibility in the past. So how are you expected to lead others if you've never done it before? Is there evidence, is there proof that you can do it? So when we think about people being successful or not successful, one of the contributing factors is that even though I've asked you to do it, you've agreed to do it, there is no proof that you can actually ha- that you actually have the skills to do it. The other one that's coming in around soft skills is things like emotional intelligence or we talk about our personal style is that maybe you don't even have the constitution and the interpersonal skills to be able to deal with other individuals effectively in your new role of customer service on the desk. I remember uh, years ago I was doing a program for uh, service managers for automotive dealership and the individual in the room said, you know what, I'd have a great job if it wasn't for customers. I really hate my customers. I said, why don't we laugh? We're laughing. You know, what is the responsibility of a service manager is to be able to lead the service advisors and be able to uh, lead others and interact with all the clients. But what he was is he was a technician that had been promoted into the service manager position. And though he, his orientation was mostly tasked, mostly interested uh, in fixing the car or the truck or the van right the first time, he really didn't have any interest or interpersonal skills around people. So there's somebody who didn't have the abilities, nor one of the other components that we have in this work readiness component is nor did he have the desire. So the other side, when we think about desire or willingness, is maybe the role responsibility that you promoted me in. That is not something that I'm passionate about. I remember years ago working with a retailer, and the retailer had this individual who was a cosmetic counter star. I mean, she was um, customers would wait for her for an hour rather than being served by somebody else. She was just that good. And so they constantly said, well, listen, we want to be able to promote you into a supervisor. You know what you're doing. You'll be able to lead others. She said, no, I don't want to do that job. 
And so sometimes you have individuals that will take roles and positions and they have now taken it, but they realize that their satisfaction in this new role, this new position, even though it might pay more, is not near what it used to be in the old one. So sometimes promotion actually leads to, and my research and my MBA proved this, to dissatisfaction or increasing of it. So one of the things there is maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Or the other one is is that uh, is a role, is a responsibility, is a job that you have done somewhere in your lifetime, did it turn out to be slightly different and not as described in the interview or not as you understood it? In other words, there was a gap in expectations, of course. So all of us can do a job for a short period of time with enthusiasm. But as we find out that the job is really not us, it's not playing to my strengths, it's not uh, reflective of my personal style, my interests, my gifts, my talents, then my ability to stay engaged is not there. So I could do it, but I don't want to do it. So an example is is that even though I grew up in a dairy farm and I had the background in being successful and having my own dairy actually way back when in the 80s, is that I didn't want to do it. I didn't really have a desire. I didn't have the willingness to do it. So part of this awareness is that if a person has the skill to do something and now they're not doing it, then where did the desire go? Maybe they're working for a supervisor that's very, very caustic and not building. And so it's the work environment that has uh, really taken away their willingness or desire to be effective. Now, the final component when we think about work readiness is this word that we use is support. So I still remember many, many years ago, as a consultant to the auto industry, I had an individual said, you know, the expectations are the sales reps are going to follow up with uh, all their customers that come into the showroom, and I'd like them to follow up the next, you know, within that next week or a set time, and they were not doing it. And so we're, I was investigating, and as a consultant, I was finding out what was going on. And so the question was that we want to ask ourselves, do we have the resources in place to successfully implement what I've asked the individuals to do? So we started to look, I started to look into the reason that these sales reps were not making the calls, and I very, very quickly discovered that they only had one uh, primary with once in a while two primary phone numbers. So the phone was always busy, or the phone was being used by the business manager to call finances, or somebody else was using it to fax uh, contracts, you know, before there was a bunch of email that was being used. And so so they could never get on the phone line or the phone line was busy or somebody else would try to kind of interrupt it with the fax machine. And so I said to the dealer principal, I said, well, then what we need to do is get a couple more fax or a couple more phone lines in here so that these individuals have open lines to be able to call out on. And he says, do you know how much phone lines cost? He says, they're 40 or $50 a month. I can't afford that. And so there was a gap between what he expected these sales professionals to do in the condition or the support or the resources of the business. Now, I'm not making this up. This is just, this was a, this is a true story in where the resources weren't there to be able to meet the expectations. So you can't have somebody accountable when there's no phone line to call out, or if you do, the phone line is very interruptive and it's not an easy flow. So there is this gap between you know, the, do I have a gap between the person's skills? Do I have a gap between the person's willingness or desire? And then thirdly, do I have the resources in place to successfully do what I've asked you to do? Let's say I ask somebody to do a video production for me, but they don't own a camera. Well, that is an obvious situation where there's a gap 
of support or resources to be able to do what you've asked me to do. So you don't have a camera, but I've asked you to do it. Okay, well, I need to rectify that. So part of our responsibility as individuals, same thing with maybe we have kids and we ask our kids, could you clean up this? Could you do that? Well, have we clarified what does clean up mean? Do we know that they can even do what we've asked them to do? Maybe it's some kind of household chore that they're going to do on a regular basis. And do they even know how to separate the different garbages in the, uh, in the recyclables from the other items that are, that are there? So we have the first one is expectation. The next one is work readiness and those three items around do I have the support, does the person have the ability and the skills, and do they have the willingness or the desire to do what we've done. Now, out of all of that, then we can have the statement of an accountability. And accountability is really to measure. To, to Really, there's just three things. We, we want to delegate, we want to monitor, and we want to evaluate what we've agreed that you are going to do and how I'm going to monitor it. So what am I going to measure? What am I going to look at? And I can't have an accountability. Accountability is not bad. It's not uh, good. It is just a sort of neutral process where a lot of times it breaks down is that, okay, we have the expectations, but there's no accountability because nobody's measuring and monitoring anything that's going on. So the first thing that I know that there's a problem is that there's a disaster. And so rather than really tracking it and then uh, working with individuals, we don't have an accountability process in place to be able to confirm uh, what, how that person is doing. And so I won't say anything more of that, but you can't have accountability until you've got all the expectations not only clarified but agreed to. And then my resources and ability, and if a person doesn't have the ability and they still want to do it, then is there training that I can send them to so that they could be a good supervisor? They could be better at that machine. They could take forklift training. They could take their lifeguard, their first aid, whatever it is that they need to be successful with you. And then finally, I can have that accountability. Now, there are two other things that loop around back to expectations that are part of this process that, that continue in this continuous loop to be able to successfully implement something like expectation management. And one of them is around rewards and recognition. You know, do, am I rewards, do my rewards uh, reflect my expectations? Uh, when I used to do uh, behaviorally-based pay plans, I said, tell me how you pay people, and I'll tell you what they do and what they don't do. So one of the challenges, let's say, in a commission sales team, is you have everybody on commission. There's no sort of joint or shared commissions. And then you want everybody to get along nicely as a team, even though you've created a shark tank with the performance. So one of the things we have to look at is if I'm going to reward around the monetary system or the reward system, if it rewards singular self-centered behavior, then you're going to get that. Now, if I'm going to have a team uh, solution where there's some kind of team pool, then that will fit into it as well. And let's say I have a team pool commission, but I have stars on the team, and all of a sudden everybody's getting the same. Well, then that's going to demotivate them. So you can see all those criteria that come into that. Now, rewards don't always have to be monetary. Uh, one of my friends was doing some coaching with a sales team, and they discovered every time that they used monetary rewards, it was a disaster. It, did, it didn't motivate anybody. So she used our values preference indicator. She started to understand what are the core values of the sales team members, and they shifted 
the uh, reward system into a, a team format so they had some fun. Then what they were doing is the individuals appreciated a community. And so what they uh, – with their weekly competitions as they split the teams, they would take the winning team out if they met a certain target, is they would take the winning team out for uh, dinner together. And all of a sudden, their sales went up 30 and 40%. And then there was also rewards where there were some trips that were put into play. So it wasn't, okay, I'm going to give you another $100. It was, okay, I could win this trip if I was a top performer. And all of a sudden, they're thinking about going to Vegas or Hawaii or Florida or wherever it is, that, uh, or Spain or Italy, whatever that place is. And the other one was is this community where, oh, yay, our team won. Now we get a dinner together. And then they have this community that's all orchestrated through that reward system. The other one that we talk about is recognition. So, you know, what kind of recognition can you uh, put into play that makes sense for the individual? So, I'm, I mean, not all. I'm not suggesting all of these work in all situations, but you know, sometimes they have the employee of the month, and sometimes you have a special parking space, and maybe there's a certificate, or maybe you're honored at the monthly team meeting, whatever, and then there's something that's given out or acknowledged on that. So all of these little items kind of come together. So the question that you have is, is this linked to job satisfaction? Is it linked to motivating them to do the expectations that you have agreed to? Or are the rewards and recognition in contrary or in conflict with your expectations? So you have to ask that question. And then the final item that is part of this process is what we call feedback. And now the reality is, is that feedback uh, doesn't happen in a lot of cases. But interesting enough, there's four types of feedback, and I'll just to speak, uh, take a moment on this. Four types of feedback, but one of those items of feedback is silence, or what we would call the sin of omission. You know, when you don't say anything, when you don't really uh, confirm, affirm, correct, adjust somebody's behavior, if you say nothing, then how do I actually know if I'm doing a good job or not doing a good job? If I am in the middle job, maybe there's some things I'm doing well, other things I'm not doing well. So the responsibility for us as leaders, and by the way, this is for everybody. And, you know, Kenneth Blanchard, when he wrote The One-Minute Manager, and it was many, many years ago, and, of course, a bestseller, and he would say, you know, find somebody doing something right and acknowledge that. So that really becomes one of the other items that we have here, which is reinforcement. So the four types of feedback that we've identified in our model is silence, criticism, advice, and reinforcement slash praise. So, you know, what gets recognized gets repeated. So if you only criticize people, and there's times where you have to be critical, where you have to correct uh, behavior, especially if it's a safety item. And I've worked in environments where safety was very important. If you don't uh, correct somebody immediately on the spot, then somebody could get hurt. Somebody's uh, loss of a limb or a life, well, that's fine. Then we have those uh, possibilities. But s silence doesn't really qualify as legitimate feedback. It is one of the items of feedback, but as leaders and managers, supervisors or family or friends, if we give no feedback, then how does that person know what they're doing? I remember, and this is not to pick on my father because he would 
not listen to this uh, podcast, but I remember growing up and when I was working on the farm with him is that he never really said, he never gave me any feedback that was affirmative. He only told me when I was screwing up. And so it was pretty tough when I was younger about, you know, taking the feedback because there was only, he said, well, listen, if you're doing something right, I don't need to say anything. And so he used silence is really an acknowledgement that you are doing something correctly. And the only time that he spoke up is when he wanted to criticize something that I was doing. So again, that is not an environment that we want to be part of from a personal relationship point of view or a professional relationship in any kind of employee-employer contractor relationship. So when the other ones is around criticism, and then the, the third one that we mentioned here is advice. And so we want to be able to coach people. I mean, coaching is now uh, one of the number one growth industries, and I've done a lot of it recently. And when you can help people to think through and resolve the reasons for their certain behavior, the conditions that have led to maybe uh, behaviors that are not appropriate, then you help them bring a solution. You help them... um, uh, move forward. And so as much as it is advice, it really is that feedback is a coaching model feedback where you help that individual come to their own solutions. Now, advice slash mentoring. I have the experience. I've done this with uh, for many, many years. You can help them see what they maybe don't see. And of course, the praise or what we call reinforcement is also very important that, you know, if somebody is doing something well, just that affirmation, that confirmation, that praise is very, very important to individuals for uh, acknowledgement. And there's certain styles that need more of it than others. And there's some individuals who are very, uh, in our model, introverted, but also nonverbal. So they're not going to make a big fuss about things. And so what they need from you from individuals around them is just a a quiet acknowledgement. This is not recognition in front of the group. This is just one-on-one, Ken, good job. I appreciate the job that you've done. Uh, This is a great job in this report. Whatever the case might be, is that you would then affirm that behavior. You would praise that behavior. And as Kenneth Blanchard has said, is that what gets recognized gets repeated. So if I focus on that and I praise that what they're doing right rather than everything that they're doing wrong, then they're going to expand that side. And if we need to correct them, if we need to give them feedback about how they could do things better, then so be it. That's, that's a possibility and that's an option for you there. So let me just bring a summary to, this is a very powerful model if you implement it, but it does take effort. It does take work. But here's the reality. You already are acquiescing by not doing it, meaning by not doing it, <clears throat> performance suffers, relationships suffer, personal relationships. If they're unspoken um, expectations, and then what happens, those expectations are not met, and you say, well, I thought you would do it this way, then that's where there's a breakdown. That's where there's conflict, because what the person did and what you thought they should do are not in the same room. They're not parallel. They're not similar. And so as a result of that uh, breakdown, that's where frustration happens for all of us in our world, including volunteer and not volunteer. We go, Ken, I thought you were going to phone those people. Well, I thought you were. Well, I did phone them, but I didn't say this. And so all these things go on because 
expectations are not confirmed. And then this whole work readiness, I mean, do we have the, the support in place, the resources, the, all, the, all the pieces to make sure that whoever does the job can successfully do it or fulfill whatever it is. So go cut the lawn, but there's no gas for the lawnmower. Well, that's a resource uh, missing. And then does the person have the skill? Have I cut the lawn before? Do I even know how to start a lawnmower? Do I, am I aware of it? And then ability and desire. It says, well, you know, do I enjoy doing what I've been asked to do? And all of those fit together as far as being that work readiness. And then from there, I can have accountability. But know what the consequences are going to be in advance. What, if I didn't fulfill and do it, then what does that mean? If I come after midnight, then I will uh, be grounded for a week. So am I aware of that? And then we can think about rewards and recognition, both sort of this fiscal world and rewards could even be just a perk in what you get an extra hour off this month uh, or this week uh, because you get to go uh, early for the long weekend because you were number one performer on the team this week. Or if we talk about that recognition and we, you know, we have a plaque, we have a trophy, we have an employee of the month, whatever the case might be, all of those fit into that side. And then the last one is feedback needs to be ongoing to be able to fine-tune expectations. And as the dynamics change in any organization or group, then we need to be able to do that as well. Well, I know we covered a lot of content today <laughs> around expectation management, and hopefully you found this model uh, very uh, helpful for your ability to how you think about others and how this can frame out uh, successful implementation in any kind of personal relationship or a professional relationship. Now, as we do at the end of every show, I just thank you very much for listening. I thank you for you providing the most valuable thing that you have, your time to kind of be with us today so that we could share as best as possible some information that will help you to be more effective in your life. If you like what we're doing, please share. Please pass it on. We do really do appreciate if you can have some positive comments that you would post in any of the areas, if it's Stitcher, if it's SoundCloud, if it's iTunes, and then do forward this to those people that you care about, you think would benefit from the content that we have shared today and other days past. I thank you again for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.